You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Hey everybody, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. I'm Mark, with me as always is my co-host Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Not bad, how about you? Doing good, doing good. We, uh... We've got uh, you know our Patreon going, and uh, we're getting some some patrons there. Uh, like we told you uh, last week, we've got the Bandcamp uh, going. We're recording this one a, a little bit early today, so I'm not sure what movie we're going to do next week. But we should uh, have another movie up on Bandcamp next week, and uh, I'll link that below. That that's uh, free for everybody. Obviously, if you guys want to, you can. Pay a, I think they recommend a dollar. You can pay whatever you want, uh, or you can not pay anything at all and get it for free. That's our, our gift to you. But uh, we are the official entertainment podcast of Michigan Sports and Entertainments. Uh, we are continuing our discussion of uh, Kevin Smith movies today. Uh, first, we'll get into a little bit of news. We'll just Like I said, we're, we're filming this early, so... I don't know uh, if we're, you know, we're probably going to miss some kind of news, but I just really quick wanted to talk about uh, Stan Lee uh, died uh, on Monday, and that was two days ago now, or a day yesterday, I guess. Um, Yeah. And uh, 95, I mean, a good run for sure. 95 is is a damn good uh, run. I hope I make it there too. But uh, certainly... I hope I go further than that. (laughs) You want to go to like 195? Well, yeah. I mean, with advances in modern medicine, you never know. That's true. That's true. I thought about that the other day that my, uh, our kids might live to, uh, like 160. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're mentally intact, which Stanley seemed to be, you know, as far as I could tell near the end. Yeah, he did. You know, he was doing these, uh, these Stan Lee rants um, on the internet, just these like, I think it was on YouTube or might've released them to his Twitter too. Uh, just quick, like 20, well, no longer than that, like uh, maybe two and a half minutes or a minute and a half uh, segments where he just ranted about something like inane, but it, a lot of it was, uh, was pretty funny. <laughs> But like I think one of them was about uh, uh, strippers or strip clubs or something like that, and how everyone loves <laughs> how everyone loves strip clubs. What is this? What? <laughs> yeah, this is a real thing. Has he never heard of the internet? <laughs> I mean, he was posting this on the internet, correct? Yeah, yeah. Although, okay. although, who knows? You know, I'm sure he had a team of uh, of people doing that, but. Uh, yeah, Stanley, uh, you know, he will uh, certainly be missed. I know that uh, it's sort of morbid, but I know that uh, he filmed, like, uh, I know you don't watch the Marvel movies, but um, nope. a lot of, uh, he, you know, he does cameos in all those movies, and I know they filmed a bunch of them ahead of time. I don't know exactly how many, probably three or four or five movies ahead but uh you know they didn't say why they were filming them ahead of time but obviously it was because it's gonna be a dark process yeah. hey Stan, can we get a few more of these out of here real quick <laughs> why well, well you're still here <laughs> I, I i remember he was in i don't know if he was in all the original and by original i mean the toby 
Maguire yeah. Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. He was in at least one of them where he's like a pretty funny, like just cut to him like freaking out. I think it was Spider-Man 2 that I remember. I don't know if he was in the other ones. Yeah, I, th- I want to say he was in all of them. Um, I hope for his sake he was in Spider-Man 3. Ugh, God. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. I thought you fell to the ground with that noise for a second out of shock. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the best thing about those Spider-Man movies is J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah, he's really good in everything. Maybe the best casting ever for that role. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really look... I mean, not that you could really have someone unless you force plastic surgery on people, which I'm all for. <laughs> They're not going to look like the characters from the comic books. But, I mean, J.K. Simmons is just... hes hes a, I mean, he mostly plays an angry guy or an M&M. Yeah. But uh, he's hes really good. Like <laughs> Again, going back to that son of a bitch, Bill Faberbakey, um, he was in the move in the show Oz. Yes, I don't know if you. I don't know if you ever saw. I mean, he was uh, uh, Sh- Hank Schillinger, a uh, white supremacist. But he was amazing in the role. And, uh, and you notice in Oz, he's got like the bluest eyes. He looks like a like a fucking Nazi. Yeah, I know. Seriously, like Hitler's wet dream. Pretty much. Oh, uh, so like I said, since we're recording this early, that's kind of kind of be it for the news today. Obviously, usually we do a little more news but not today and uh, we got a lot of kevin smith to talk about oh actually you know i'm sorry i do have one more piece of news oh yeah go ahead um i don't know if you uh i don't know how many fans are are they out there on the uh, blogosphere but our november 15th is the uh, birthday of macho man randy savage who sadly is no longer with us and that's in two days from now that's right they they recently uh, found recording oddly enough he was on the phone when he passed away and uh, they found his last words oh god they were Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! Rest in peace. Oh, I remember. I I remember. Uh, he was in those um, Slim Jim commercials in. Uh, I th- I want to say like the mid nineties. It'd be like, "Art thou bored? Snap into a Slim Jim! Oh yeah!" I mean, I, I, I think there's a. a point that's really a monumental point in a man's life is when he believes in professional wrestling and then when he doesn't they're like two separate eras that can cleanly divide like your life mm-hmm. and like during like the heyday of like the late 80s early 90s like i i stopped believing it was real pretty early much you know probably before i stopped believing santa was real to be honest with you right um but yeah it was just like i mean they were just like amazing he was a incredible performer i always love seeing macho man you know him and like the garish colors he always wear mm-hmm. and just like completely over the top care he always looked like he was just like just woke up and like was completely confused all the time <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. him you know i mean unfortunately a lot i mean it's hard to i mean you wouldn't think of like wrestlers as like athletes but a lot of the stuff they do is quite athletic and to oh. do it you know a lot of people don't realize is they uh, they would often go on tour and do it like you know not on before like they had wrestling on TV every single day they would like do it you know on a different city each night and then just do the exact same thing and then a few months later it'd be on TV they're like oh I already saw this the exact same thing happened yep oh yeah and they they get injured all the time you know like uh, I mean it's obviously it's scripted and, and everything oh yeah but yeah you but can't. it's but it's real in the sense that. Um, you know, when someone's, uh, you know, fallen into a table, yeah, the table's pre-cut and everything, but, you know, you're still hitting a table with your back. Yeah, there's, like, a pretty, like, th- there's a pretty infamous thing I read a few years ago about, like, Brett the Hitman Hart, who just, like, basically, like, 
fell through a table. And he, I think he broke his back, but just finished the match still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's a lot of it. I mean, sure, there's like a lot of like, you know, tales of drugs and steroids and that sort of thing. But I mean, they basically sacrificed their bodies just for, you know, sheer entertainment value, which is admirable in a sense. Yeah. And I think I think those drugs are why so many of them die early because, you know, it's it's weird. You see a lot of the like like Macho Man. I don't think he was that old, but he um, was in his 50s, but he had a heart attack while driving. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, oh, God, while driving. <laughs> it's so dangerous. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like you did on purpose. No, yeah. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, damn it, don't have a heart attack while driving. <laughs> what, were, what were you thinking? What a bastard. <laughs> uh. And what's weird with him specifically, and I think a lot of them is, like, they, like, would often, like, have, like, their significant others, like, obviously, the lovely Miss Elizabeth, in this case, mm-hmm. um, who died before him, I believe. Oh, drugs again. Wow. I think she was actually dating Lex Luthor. It, there was such weird, like, behind the scenes, like, relationship stuff, too, that they just kind of wove into the narrative of the, like, the, uh, the shows. And then when they break up, they still had to perform with the same person and that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, God. I imagine, like, I mean, there's, like, a great movie somewhere and all of that. I mean, if you could, like, have, like, a true, like, biopic or, a, a, you know, even, like, a biography of, like, the heyday of wrestling, that's, that's an amazing book out there. That's uh, a, you uh, future authors get on that. I want to read that. That's a good. Uh, that's a good idea. Actually, I think that would make uh, that would make a really good book and a really uh, interesting film. If you know, like behind the scenes of, you know, like back in the the early, like our, when we were young, like early eighties to uh, to like the nineties. Uh, like ninety five. Yeah. I even have a title for it, but if anybody uses this, they have to credit me for the title. Parts unknown. Nice. That's all the best. Best wrestlers were from parts unknown for sure. Yep. Oh yeah. Like the it, was, un- it was in Florida. It was parts unknown Florida. <laughs> oh, that's their. Um, that's their their uh, their their state um, their state motto. I think parts unknown. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> what did the police find? Parts unknown. Right. Oh, so speaking of body parts, um, now we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move into our uh, educating Mike section and uh, avid listener of the podcast, <laughs> or there <laughs> there might be more than one of you, um, will uh, realize that we are on part three of Archie versus the Predator. If you if you, this is the first podcast of ours you're listening to. Go back to because you want to definitely start at the beginning of this. Yeah, I would say this might be my most looked forward to part of the podcast. So as you remember, Mike, uh, last time uh, it ended where all the military guys and Moose and all those guys got killed um, while Jughead was dressed up as Veronica as bait. And <laughs> yeah, I remember. And um, so it, it opens up with kind of a weird um like narrative where it uh or narration where it uh it just says you know like Riverdale the sort of sweet little town everyone dreams of moving to when they reach a certain age and I don't I don't understand what that like a retirement community I, I don't understand. yeah I, I don't think I ever wanted to move somewhere with a malt shop <laughs> right like, oh, I'm going to graduate college and then move to fucking Hicksville, where, uh, you know, some guy can't figure out which uh, chick he wants to fuck. Every, every, uh, every 16-year-old apparently wants to move to Riverdale. 
Did he ever say we're Riverdale? I assume it's like some like generic, non-existent, like like parts unknown kind of. Like there's not a real like location for it, or is it like California? Or yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. Uh, I don't think they ever really give an indication of what state it is or exactly where it is. That's fair. Oh, I forgot to mention last time. By the way, I don't. I don't know how I forgot to mention this, but uh, when the cops came. Uh, before the military guys went out there, they uh, or when uh, the military guys got there, they said, "Oh, the police aren't coming because they're all at uh, Sabrina's house." That girl that they uh, that they went to to try to help it exploded. <laughs> well, they, yeah, but they they're all at hers at her house because they found a mass grave. Oh my god! <laughs> so apparently, <laughs> apparently she was just a violent murderer. I, I don't leave that out. I don't know. I forgot. But but yeah, so what the fuck? so Sabrina had a mass grave. That'd be like a, a biopic about Max, right? You don't include a fucking three-way. <laughs> so after the narration, we see Jughead just kind of wandering around the wreckage. He gets back to uh, Riverdale High School, and he trips on a... Uh, a piece of cord that obviously was placed there, and this, like, baseball bat mace springs at him. He ducks under it, and, uh, you know, the gang's all there. They think they've got the Predator, but they realize that it's that what? it's Jughead. So apparently they've uh, they've placed some traps to try to uh, get the Predator while they're holed up in there. Some uh, very indiscriminate traps. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, they um they have this uh talk and and Jughead, you know Jughead is being very non Jughead right now. He's uh you know, he's crying, he's pissed off. He says that um, you know, they're all dead. All the all the people are dead and he just wants to get out of there. And um, you know, uh like Betty says, Well, everywhere they go, they're gonna find us and he turns to Veronica and he says, No, he just wants you. <laughs> For some reason, they think he just wants Veronica, and if they all get away from her, they'll be fine. Which, which all the bit players do. There's like, there's like five, uh, you know, like uh, B-list Archie characters that are just like, yeah, we're leaving. I think all the Archie characters <laughs> are technically, technically B-list characters. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they say that they're just the rest of them say they're just going to wait there uh, for the police and. Dilton, who's the uh, the geeky one. Oh, he, that fucking nerd. He says that, uh, oh, the, the police are gone. And they're like, what? And they said, uh, yeah, they were at uh, Sabrina's house and it's all gone. The house is gone. The mass grave is gone. All the police are gone with it. And he somehow he has like live footage of, <laughs> of Sabrina's what? house. So he probably was watching the whole time, and then he just saw her murder people and bury them in the mass grave and said nothing? I'm guessing, yeah. And for some reason, there's a cop car there, police tape, and then just a bunch of goats. What? Just a bunch of goats wandering around, like, eating the grass and stuff. I don't know if they were, like, goats to sacrifice or what. I'm not sure. But, yeah, definitely weird. So, uh... You know, all the rest of them leave, and Dilton says, we've got to get to the AV room. And uh, Well, of course, he's going to the AV room, because, you know, they still have those in high schools. Right. But Let's he, go to the dark room to do some photography. <laughs> but he says, yeah, everything, uh, 
will be answered at the AV room, and and uh, Jughead is is hungry, obviously. So as they're all uh, going, they pass by a snack machine, and he decides, oh, I'm gonna stop and get a snack. So you know he reaches into his pocket, looking for uh, or, or the purse, Veronica's purse that he still has, looking for money, and he says, oh, you know, Veronica never carries cash on her. Then he finds the knife. And we see from behind him, the predator is in the ductworks, like what? like an alien for some reason. You know, I, I, just a quick pause. That, that, that whole thing, like that trope of people in ductwork, that's like the biggest bullshit ever. You could not fucking fit in ductwork and not have it collapse. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, I'm looking at you, John McClane. Real quick, there's uh, um, speaking of J.K. Simmons, which we were a while ago. Um, there's a game called Portal 2 where uh, he does uh, voiceover for a lot of the different parts of this game. And basically, he's he plays um, the CEO of this company that does pre-recorded messages. And one it's of a the, good business. Oh, yeah. But one of the... And they're, they're hilarious, too. His name... His character name is Cave Johnson, and if you're interested, you should go on uh, YouTube and look up uh, Cave Johnson, and they'll be up there. But one of the ones is he's uh, he they're like in a space station, and they're supposed to be like he goes he says that um, you know for all of you that think that have just woken up from cryo sleep and think there's some company wide a uh, conspiracy, there's not. We're we're in space. We're just doing testing in space. This information is readily available to you if you would ask. So please stop forming adventure parties to figure out the company-wide conspiracy because it's that we're in space. And (laughs) in like the second, he he keeps coming up like as you get to different parts of the game. And uh, in the second one, he goes, um, for those of you who are trying to climb through the ductwork to find a secret room to uncover the conspiracy, like I said... There is no conspiracy. We are in space. It is common knowledge. And by the way, um, ductwork is not some secret uh, escape hatch. It's how we (laughs) ventilate the facility. And by the way, if if you have asthma and uh, you're up there for more than five minutes, you're probably going to die because it's really dusty up there. (laughs) But yeah, the whole thing is, is hilarious. But anyway, so he pulls out the knife, and he decides, okay, I'm going to get this candy bar out with this knife. So he uh, he pulls the candy bar out. It actually does come out like he reaches in with the knife. What? And then we see the predator standing behind him with his claw. We cut back, and Archie's like, hey, where's Jughead? Nobody knows where Jughead is. And... Uh, you know, they start running after him, and Tilton's uh, like, no, you know what I want to show you is in here. So um, Archie runs out, slips on some blood, falls to the ground, <laughs> and there is Jughead's head. Disembow- or dismembered from his body, his spine hanging out, uh, just posed with the snacks. <laughs> That's a downer. So Archie's obviously pissed. He wants to. Uh, <laughs> he says now that he's going to kill the predator. That that he's. Uh, this is personal for him now. Now it's personal, right? When they killed Moose, he didn't give a shit. But now that they killed uh, Jughead, it's personal because, as we know, Archie and Jughead were lovers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
So those comics were the most wholesome. <laughs> but uh, so they go towards they they're going back towards the AV room. They're all sad, and Dilton is going into this weird monologue about uh, Have you ever thought what it, what it's like to be someone like me, Archie? Uh, you know, someone uh, at a school where everyone cares about dating, but no one's ever asked to go on a date with me, and I'm just the geek and all this stuff and everything. He's like, well, look what I did. And he opens the AV room, and there is a giant Archie robot there. What? He's built a robot that he can climb into and control that looks like Archie, I guess... Because he wants to be like Archie, and he thinks he'll get women if he's like Archie, but he's also built weapons into it. What? For some reason, it's, it's fucking weird. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I don't know if he was planning on rampaging through the school with this thing, and, and then pity on Archie. That's brilliant. And 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 now he just thinks, uh, oh, um, you know, now I can be a hero and I'll get girls that way. I, I don't know exactly what uh, his plan was but he gets in it and it kind of starts malfunctioning right away (laughs) it uh, fires a big fireball that they dodge Um, he asks Archie for a wrench so he can fix it but just then that's when the predator uh, uh, crashes in Uh, they spell crash with a K so you know it's extreme it's K-R-A-S-H exclamation (laughs) points in big red letters. Um, so Archie slams it in the head with a wrench. Uh, the Predator's not too keen on that. But uh, Dilton's got enough control of the robot that he's able to grab uh, the Predator away from him. He uh, punches the Predator, shoots uh, you know, a fireball at it, which seems to, to wound it. Um, he also has, he's got one of those metal fists that can just, uh, uh, you know, uh, shoot out from the, the robot. So His that, fists are very aerodynamic, as we all know. So that hits him. Uh, the Predator, like, kind of Archie's sort of in the middle trying to, uh, you know, get away. The Predator gets, uh, you know, Archie with a glancing blow on his shoulder. Looks pretty uh, pretty harsh, but... Uh, it looks like he's probably going to be okay. He's, uh, you know, he's definitely wounded, but uh, Betty and Veronica are, are tending to him. And uh, Dilton gets uh, a a net around the Predator. And so they're all kind of celebrating. I don't know why, because it's not dead yet. But, um, but he's still kind of having trouble with the machine, and the machine wants to kill everyone. <laughs> like, that's... That's that's why I think maybe he's just planning on a rampage. Because, oh my god! Because the thing just keeps. Is he not now, Archie? Too kill everyone, but uh, Betty talks it down somehow. I don't. I don't like. What I don't, the fuck! I don't know if it's if it's if it's been programmed with Archie's personality or whatever. But uh, <laughs> so is that saying that Archie secretly wants to murder everyone? Right. But he just tried to get with Betty and Veronica this whole time, and they wouldn't give him anything. But she says, you know, Dill. Yeah. She says, Dilton, I believe in you. I know you can do this. You know, you're not going to hurt me. I'm wearing my lucky scrunchie. (laughs) And all this stuff. And then um, she hugs the robot, and the robot goes from kill to saying cuddle. (laughs) So, uh, you know, they're all proud of him and everything. And, uh, you know, Dilton's like, oh, I'm a hero. 
and they say, oh yeah, you're a hero, you know, but they're, they're fawning over Archie because he's been hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So so they're still kind of just ignoring him. (laughs) Well, uh, we saw Archie catch a predator, not you fucking dick. (laughs) But uh, Milton takes the, the helmet off of the machine and lo and behold, the net is empty because the Predator's been able to get out of the net, uh, sneaks up behind Dilton, stabs him through the neck with that ceremonial knife, <laughs> pulls his head out, spine and all. Oh, my God. Uh, just like in the last frame of this of this uh, episode is uh, Betty screaming, Dilton, and... Uh, uh, Veronica saying, "Oh God, we're actually gonna die." <laughs> Archie's so like fucked up that he's just sitting there bleeding, and we see the predator from that like kind of that cowboy shot, uh, but but down from like hips down with uh, Dilton's head uh, in his hand, just Jeez. standing in front of him, and that is where we end episode oh three <laughs> to be concluded in episode four. Wow, I still say this has got to be the best comic of all time. This sounds amazing. It is pretty damn good, I have to say that. The only thing that could have been better is if at the end when uh, Betty is yelling, she goes, Dylan! And then like Archie's like, Dilton. <laughs> that would be something. That would be so uh, classic her. You know, it's, you know what occurred to me this whole time? Hmm. I haven't heard you mention Reggie one time. Has Reggie been in the comic? No, Reggie's not in this comic at all. I wonder if maybe he'll save what if the day at the end. The pre- what if Reggie's the predator? Oh, that could yeah, that's true. Where has what, Reggie been? What sense that would make? I have no idea. Los Predados. <laughs> that's so weird. Oh, uh, but uh yeah, so now uh we will uh move on to our conversation, our main topic of the day. The films oh. of Kevin Smith. Yeah, go ahead. I say we. Uh, what about our what have you? What are you watching segment? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so Mike, what have you? What have you been watching this week? Let's see. This week I watched uh, the the season finale of uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, thirteenth okay. season. Yep. This is a really interesting episode. Um, it was kind of like a classic episode from most of the episode. I mean, I know you, you're kind of getting into the series. I don't know if you're still watching them or what you're, yeah, you're at as far I'm as still watching them. Up. I know yeah, but I mean, it's just like a very jarring, like not jarring, but just like completely goes like off track. It's like almost like it goes from like, a, you know, the over the top, like wacky shenanigans tone to like a dead serious tone, which is really, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only problem is I don't know where they're going to go with this next season. Right. Because like at the end, like, uh, I, I don't really want to ruin it for you because I mean, you know, I, the last couple episodes, the last couple of seasons are really kind of interesting because they developed the character of Mac quite a bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know how they're going to conclude, you know, and then the way they did, then go to the next season fresh and then like, oh, hey, everything's back to normal because the past two seasons, they ended it in like a way that just completely changes like the main parts of characters we've seen for like 12 or in this case, 13 seasons. Okay. Um, and uh, go, you go and then I get another one after you. Okay. Um, so I, I have been watching, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, trying to, to catch up on that. I'm almost done with the first season. Uh, the other thing that I've been watching is house of cards and I have that the last season of that, I have two episodes. Left. Los Predators. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, speaking of Los Predators, uh, no Kevin Spacey in this season. He's been uh, written out of the show. I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say, you know, first episode, they mentioned right off the bat that he died uh, off screen. Uh, they, but he, his presence, like the, at least the presence of his character looms large in, uh, in this entire season. Like I said, I've still got two episodes sure. left to go, but they, was well, this a fifth or sixth season? Sixth season. Yeah. I've never watched an episode. I've read about it. I know some of the main plot points and I even actually, I think I know how this concludes though. I know you haven't finished it. Yeah. Not yet. It's, it sounds like a show that's interesting, but I don't think I'm ever actually going to watch it. It's the first few seasons are pretty good. I would say like the f- the first season's probably the best season of all of them. If you're going to watch any one season, I would watch the first season. Uh but uh yeah, it's you know, it, it's it it's one of those where it's um it's sort of shaky as far as um the quality of it goes. At least I, like- I find it that way. Is it one of those things where, like, a logic, like, becomes, like, so, like, you know, contrived after, like, two seasons? Like, oh, look, he caused an error. I mean, it's a bad example because, I mean, in uh, Breaking Bad, it made sense. Everything in Breaking Bad, as implausible as it seemed, was completely plausible, which was... For sure. A testament to the great writing. But, I mean, like, how far can you take? I mean, I mean, can people really believe Kevin Spacey is, like, some psychopath? Come on. <laughs> yeah, he's got... But, I mean, is it one of those things where, like, oh, look, he gets out of, he got out of a jam. Out of a jam again, you know, like almost like the show. I don't know if you ever watched Dexter. Yes, I watched Dexter. Yeah. Oh my god! At certain points, Dexter just—it was just like he was almost like a superhero the way he would like. Oh, he's stabbing a guy, and then five seconds later, he's completely gone. It's sort of like it's, it's sort of like that, yeah. Where they almost write themselves into a corner where they have to keep topping themselves over and over. And it's like, oh look, he's uh, he shot the premiere of uh, you know Germany, and then he came back home, and I don't. Yeah, they kill a lot of people in this show, and it's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that no politicians ever orchestrated the death of somebody. I'm sure it's probably happened. Uh, you know, I, I don't know anything. If anyone from NSA or anything's listening, I don't know any names. I'm not talking about anybody in, in particular, and, you know, it could have been uh, like 100 years ago or so. Has it ever happened? Maybe at some point in, in our history, but... You know, he's responsible for so many people's deaths. And the thing is, is because it's like a conspiracy show, so many people know about it, too. And that's kind of and that's part of the reason why they have to keep killing so many people, because, you know, it's loose ends. So many people know about it and everything. And I just I don't buy that this kind of stuff could be kept. If this stuff was happening someone would find out about it and it would be front page news. It's just, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to keep oh, yeah, all for this sure. a secret. Yeah. It's like the whole, like arg- the biggest argument against like the George Bush responsible for nine 11 thing or the, you know, inside job mm-hmm. is that there's so many, there would have to be so many people involved that you would already know about it. Cause yeah. can't keep secret. I mean, the only thing like that, that makes any sense is obviously Ted Cruz is a Zodiac killer. Right. But I mean, aside from that, I mean, it's just like implausible. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, call me old fashioned, but as far as I'm concerned, the only house of cards I care about is the one that Brady kids uh, built. <laughs> Our hands are too slippery. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but the uh, yeah this why were why were their hands so slippery? I don't know. What the fuck were they doing? I think uh, I think they were getting to third base too much. I with, guess with those Brady girls. <laughs> but. Uh, 
Um, yeah, the, uh, you know, it, it's, I don't know how they would have done a sixth season. I mean, there are different ways you could go about it. They could have, you know, simply mentioned that he died or whatever, and then completely ignore him for the whole thing. They could have brought him up occasionally or whatever, but they seem to have gone the way where they're really just leaning into it. He's mentioned in every single episode and, you know, his death is part of a major plot point of the season. And, uh, you know, like he, he's, it's, his presence is really there. And I don't know exactly how I feel about it yet. I'll, I'll have to, eventually I'll give my review on here about it after I'm done sure. with the season. And, um, and I take a few days to kind of like think about how I feel about it. In some ways, I think it's kind of brave, you know, what they're doing as far I as... I mean, it's, it's got to be hard. He's been there for five seasons, and mm-hmm. he's clearly the main focus. I mean, you can't... And they'd be, like, killing off, like, Walter White in season four. I'm like, all right, guys, let's go ahead and do season five of Breaking Bad with no Walter White and don't reference him at all. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely difficult. He's obviously, I mean, really, it, as far as Netflix goes, too, he was like, a, I mean, that was a huge gift for them, you know, Kevin Spacey at that point when they first got him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, they were not quite a fledgling network, but that was like basically when people initially got like internet speed so fast that they could like binge shows. House mm-hmm. of Cards was one of the first big ones for sure. Yep. Oh, I agree. Yeah. House of Cards was definitely one of the ones that put them on the map. Um, but yeah, it's, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's a pretty good season so far. Not the best, but it's. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. I've got two episodes left, so you know we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I definitely want to hear your review when you're finished watching it. So what uh, what's the other thing that you're uh, you're watching? Um, I do this occasionally. I like to rewatch shows that I really like. Uh, probably my favorite show of all time is Breaking Bad. I would say just because like it's all like you know a nice continuity and of course breaking bad gets better after the first it took me a while to get into breaking bad but after the first few episodes it gets really good mm-hmm. uh, my second favorite show of all time is the wire okay yeah um, my wife whose uh, birthday is tomorrow happy birthday yeah happy birthday um, she she started to rewatch it and uh, i don't know if this happens with you and your wife but she always fucking goes ahead of me when we're watching a show together yes I'll be like, okay, we watched season two, and then the next thing I know is she's like, oh, I'm on episode eight. And it's like, <laughs> episode eight? What the fuck? <laughs> but uh, so she started rewatching it, and I, I knew she'd get ahead of me, and just that's just what she does, you know. She she works a night shift, so she has a lot of time where I'm not with her, you know, that she's watching shows that I'm not able to watch or not doing. Um, but I'm um, into season two of The Wire. I, that is probably my favorite season of any TV show of all time. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know uh, how you feel about this, but I, I I hate origin stories. Like the thing that pisses me off about Spider Man is when they keep rebooting it, and they have to go, "Oh, how did he become a Spider Man?" I don't mm-hmm. care. He's fucking Spider Man. Yep. The, Do I need to know how he's he? Okay, he got bit by a spider again. I saw that before. The worst one with that is Batman. It's oh like, yeah, that is terrible. We, we have to see his parents get shot in every fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, or even, I mean, like, the Michael, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Michael, I mean, the Michael Keaton, the first one was good, and then, of course, they went in, like, really bizarre directions, I mean, mm-hmm. Val Kilmer, I like Val Kilmer in general, but, I mean, his Batman was not good, George Clooney, they're just basically just trying to, you know, print money at that point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I like Christian Bale a lot, I, I, again, I don't think they're really super close to the source material as far as Batman goes, but he did a good job, I mean, his voice, where he had his Batman voice, I thought that was pretty dumb mm-hmm. um but i mean the movies overall christopher nolan i like his movies i mean those inception memento i like you know the i mean yeah. uh the prestige I, i'm a fan of his work insomnia is good too yeah i like insomnia 
Swear to me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like it's like I just hate origin stories. I don't want to see the same character telling how he became the character again. Mm-hmm. So season two of The Wire, most of the characters are already established, and there's a lot. Of, I know you. I don't think you've seen The Wire, correct? No, not at all. Yeah, so I mean, The Wire is—it's a show that's slow to get into. It's like I—I I had to watch it maybe three times to really get into it. But once you get into it, you're—it's such a—it's such a nuanced show, and there's so many elaborate elements to it that you really—I mean, it sounds dumb, but you really, really have to pay attention to see what's going on. Because mm-hmm. if you miss one thing, you'll probably miss like a huge like part of the story. It's definitely one that's on my list that I'm going to get yeah. to. Yeah, season season one they focus on like the criminal empire and elements of the city of Baltimore and the police chasing them. Season two we have the same elements, but a lot a lot of the focus is on the docks. Okay, there's a uh, there's a group of people who work in the union on the docks, and like they see their kind of like way of life is fading. Like there's you know less people using them. There's you know, you know obviously like they don't mention it directly, but there's Amazon and like that sort of thing, right? Where they're not needed as much, and so they basically in order to survive they have to engage in criminal activity. The performances in season two are just amazing. I, I I don't know the guy's name. The guy who plays uh, Frank Sabaka, he was in the. I don't know if you ever saw True Blood. Yes, he played Andy in True Blood, the sheriff. Okay, I think I know who you're talking about. And he's super like wacky in like True Blood, but he's he's a really great actor and uh in in uh, the Wire he's really good. Um, pa- Pablo Shriver is that his name? Uh, yeah, I think Pablo. So. Yeah, he's in that. He's his nephew. Uh, I mean, the performances are really good. Uh, the Criminal Empire just expands. I mean, it's everything in season two. It's 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 one of the best seasons ever on TV, and it was completely unnoticed by the mainstream, like critics and media. It just went like, you know, like no one really seemed to like care about the wire when it was on the air. But it, the season two of the wire, if I wouldn't recommend going into that without watching the first season because you miss out on a lot. But there's so many like references and jokes and. It's it's an amazing season. I, I I could that's I could watch season two of The Wire over and over on a loop probably. Idris Elba's in that too, right? Yeah, he plays Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell. Uh, there's two main like uh, bad guys of the uh, Barksdale uh, criminal empire. Avon Barksdale is like the main guy, mm-hmm. and his family is all involved in the drug trade. His right hand man and friend from childhood is Stringer Bell. It's kind of interesting because Avon Barksdale is like more like a like a gangster type guy. He wants to you know rumble and like you know mix it up and stuff and where stringer bell is basically just realizing that you know at a certain point he realizes drugs are like a super like lucrative you know empire there's no taxes he's basically trying to make as much money as possible and he's really calculated in his you know movements and that sort of thing it's it's really an interesting like take on it i think the guy you're talking about from true blood's name is chris bauer that sounds familiar i'm not sure i i, I honestly don't know he's he's a he's amazing in season uh two of the wire i mean all the, I think that's all the characters are at their best. I mean, there's so many good characters. There's so many different storylines and plot lines. It's just like it's super elaborate. But if you have the time to just do nothing but watch TV and not, you know, look at your phone, not have a conversation with someone, not, you know, think about what you're having for dinner later, if you can focus entirely on it, season two of The Wire pays off and then so. Okay. Yeah. I will definitely check. I w- I'm going to start probably in a couple weeks. I'm going to start watching The Wire. Oh, but yeah, so that is what we are watching. Um, now we will get into uh, our uh, continuing Kevin Smith saga. I think we'll probably, this is probably going to, um, this will probably dovetail nicely with the Archie versus Predator thing, 
because with the number of movies that we have left, I think that we will probably do tonight and then one more uh, episode of it. And, you know, so when we finish the Archie versus Predator stuff, we'll be finishing uh, the Kevin Smith stuff as well. We left off on uh, Dogma, Mike's favorite. By far. And uh, we go to one of the most enjoyable. It's probably it's probably not my favorite movie of his, although it's up there. But um, this is probably the most enjoyable film experience, like going to the movie experience, I've ever had. Because Mike and I went and saw this uh, this movie together way back in uh, 2001, which it's so weird is is uh, 17 years ago now. Um, but Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and uh, kind of as we've alluded to a few different times, it's a very complex film as far as the the jokes and the inside jokes and the deep cuts and everything goes. Um, I'll just for people who haven't seen it, real quick, I, I'll give you a uh, a quick synopsis. Basically, in Chasing Amy, uh, the comic book artists played by Ben Affleck and Jason Lee Holden and Banky. Uh, had a very popular comic called Blunt Man and Chronic, which were based on the life and stories of Jalen Silent Bob, and they paid them likeness rights to uh, to publish this comic book. In Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, they learn that there's going to be a movie made uh, about their life. The comic book movies had kind of sort of just started to get popular at that point. Um, and, uh, so they, they learned they were going to make a movie about their life and they don't want, uh, this happening because they see people on the internet, uh, uh, talking shit about them and everything. And, uh, so they travel to Hollywood to put a stop to the movie. Um, Mike, how about some impressions or, or what did you think of Jan Silent Bob Strike Back? Is this one of the rare occasions that you actually remember going to see this with me in the theater? Yeah, I remember you and I went, and I think my friend Matt went as well, and yeah. his cousin Aaron. Yeah. I think they were more like kind of like peripheral fans, whereas you and I, I mean, I'm not saying they're not Kevin Smith movie fans, but you and I are more like hardcore fans, I would think. Mm-hmm. I believe we went to the movie theater at Van Dyke and... 15 the sterling cinema which isn't there anymore it's yeah. a different movie theater and yeah this this movie is the, the best way to describe this movie is it's very dense like oh, yeah. i honestly don't know i mean i it's funny i imagine you'd enjoy it if you weren't a big fan of kevin smith but oh my god does this movie pay off if you're a fan of kevin smith and have seen the previous movies and read about kevin smith's life and read and listened to the audio commentaries as you and i did this movie is a fucking laugh from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Uh, Mike's not going to get this reference, but for any of you out there who are fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, <laughs> uh, this is Infinity War. And by that I mean uh, Infinity War could be an interesting movie if uh, you just come into it having not seen any of the other movies, but... It, you don't get nearly what you get out of it if you've watched all the other movies before then. You know, I think I told you this, Mike, too, that uh, I never watched any of the MCU movies before I started working at uh, Michigan Sports and Entertainment. And uh, 
because I just I like I was never a huge comic book movie fan or anything. And when the Black Panther movie was about to come out, I was like, well, I, I should I have this kind of obsessive personality. I said to myself, well, I should watch all of them <laughs> so, <laughs> so that I have so that I have context for this movie. So I watched all 18 at the time movies oh my uh, God. in like a week and a half, I think, <laughs> so that I could watch Black Panther and review it. But uh, yeah, so I got caught up real quick on uh, the Marvel movies. They're you know they're I, I like them. They're fine and everything. They're not my favorite stuff in the world, but they're they're good. But yeah, this this movie, Jane Silent Bob Strike ba- Strikes Back. Like like we've mentioned a couple times throughout the course of this, uh, there are uh, inside jokes like um, like uh, Ben Affleck being in Phantoms and uh, and stuff like that. From the audio commentary of Mallrats. Yeah, that's insane. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ben Affleck is on the audio commentary, and you and I both would not stop laughing over this. Uh, mm-hmm. They said they're talking about how he was billed on the back of um, Mallrats, and uh, Kevin Smith goes, "Oh yeah, they're uh, they mentioned Ben Affleck," and then in parentheses it says from Phantoms. He goes, "Really from Phantoms?" He's like, nah. <laughs> Because and then you and I watch Phantoms and it's a terrible movie. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, and and there's a joke in here that you know Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms and and stuff, and it's just like these jokes that are so like deep that you know it's the this movie like you said dense is a really good word because it's a very layered movie. You can enjoy it very surface level as a. a standard kind of road trip buddy comedy movie. You can uh, appreciate it on a slightly deeper level as a uh, someone who's watched the other Kevin Smith movies and, and has a familiarity with Jay and Silent Bob and stuff like that. And you can enjoy it at, at like the deepest possible level where like Mike and I, uh, you know, in the in the earlier movies, we watched all the movies, plus we watched all the DVD commentaries and uh, stuff like that, and some of like the behind-the-scene featurettes, and there are just—it's one of those super satisfying um, things. I used to, oh yeah, yeah. I, I used to watch Mystery Science Theater three thousand, and they would—and th- I think this is kind of the best way to, to describe it. I used to watch that show when you know, for those of you who don't know, basically they'd watch a B, a bad B movie, and they'd make jokes at the screen, sort of like what CinemaSins does now. But it was a television show, and um, they uh, they would tell jokes, you know, a bunch of different jokes, and some of them would be like pretty broad jokes, just about what was going on in the movie, or like you know broad references that most people get. And then every once in a while, they'd put in a joke that they know only like ten people are gonna get because you know like the frame of reference is so small, you have to you'd have to have watched or heard or listened to very specific things to get the reference that they're talking about and why it's funny. But they would know that those few people that got it would laugh their asses off. And that's kind of what this movie is like. I I can see Kevin Smith putting all these things in saying, okay, you know, people that are super, super fans are just going to fucking love this. (laughs) That's, that's a perfect, perfect analogy because I mean, I don't know, is it 10%, 5%, one percent of fans would get all these jokes. Yeah. And oh my god, these jokes are fucking hilarious. First of all, the um, let's see. It starts off. They're hearing about the movie of Bloodman and Chronic. They call uh, Banky, 
<laughs> no, no, not Becky. Holden. They got they they call Holden about the rights. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yeah, and they go see him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a very quick. Uh, and I think Ben Affleck plays multiple roles in this. Does he not? He does. He plays. He plays. So does Jason Lee. They both play. Or I think. Or yeah, Jason. Yeah, Jason Lee does too. They both play. Um, they play their characters from Chasing Amy, Holden, and Banky, and then. Um, uh, Jason Lee also plays Brody from from <laughs> Mallrats, and I can't imagine how confusing that is to the casual viewer. And Ben Affleck plays himself, yeah. starring in uh, yeah. starring yes. starring in uh, Goodwill Hunting Two: Colon Hunting Season. Hunting Season. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and then uh, there's there's oh yeah, it's it's amazing. So. Let's start this off. The beginning of the movie, uh, they find out that they're like, oh, they're pissed because the rights have been, you know, they feel stolen that they're making a movie. And then Jay and Silent Bob naturally think that, oh, this is going to be a terrible movie. Right. So uh, they go to the movie, they go to the website Movie Poop Shoot, which is where they get all their movie news. Yep. Which is actually a website owned by Kevin Smith. Yep. And then, of course, Jay and Silent Bob, and uh, almost like a callback to Mallrats, say, hey, we have to go destroy this because. And Mallrats, their only motivation to destroy the set of the thing was because they were basically bored. Mm-hmm. And this they don't want to be mis- they don't want to be misrepresented that these uh two drug dealers don't want to be taken in a bad light. Right. Uh, you know, for their movie Blunt Man and Chronic, the two guys who sell drugs and have only sold drugs in all the Kevin Smith movies they've been in, decide that uh, hey, we can have our uh, reputation besmirched. Yeah. Yeah, uh Someone calls uh, Jay and Bob ball lickers on the internet, and uh, yes. Jason Jason uh, or Jay doesn't like that, and uh, really goes goes on a pretty funny rant. And you know they sh- they go to a Moopies, which you know we saw in Dogma. Yeah, Moopies Golden Calf Restaurant, which is also in Clerks too, um, yeah. which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, they go there, and then they have internet access for free, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's in the movie. Yeah. And then somehow uh, J- uh, Silent Bob is an amazing typer, so Jay basically like you know dictates what he wants him to type. Mm-hmm. And on yet another deeper level, there's the Jay and Silent Bob soundtrack, which you and I listened to probably 50 times in a row. Not in a row, but oh, yeah. every time we would drive somewhere, we'd listen to it. And the speech he gives, I, I just remember it goes, you are the ones who are the ball lickers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is great, of course. Uh, so they decide to embark on a journey to Hollywood, and uh, who do they run into immediately? Oh, wait, this is a uh, a, re- a family reunion of USQ movies. George Carlin, he's a homeless guy now. Yep. And George Carlin teaches them the rules of the road. Do you want to explain the rules of the road, Mark? So the rules of the road are... Uh... Basically, if someone picks you up to, uh, you know, take you wherever they're going to go, then you have to give them head. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because in the previous movie, Dogma, George Carlin was like a cardinal, like, you know, the highest, uh, I don't know what the, you know, hierarchy is in the Catholic Church, but it's, it's up there, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, cardinal is probably just below a pope or is there something above that no i think it's uh yeah i think it's pope cardinal and then uh archbishop and bishop i believe that's how it goes sure yeah so he goes from a uh, cardinal to a guy who sucks dick to get rides on the road (laughs) and george carlin again is just chewing the scenery you know having a grand old time Mm -hmm. Uh, i read 
or heard in an interview that he always wanted to be an actor. George Carlin is a brilliant stand-up comedian. He had a show briefly on Fox, the George Carlin show. Yep. He's an okay actor. He's an amazing comedian. Um, but yeah, Kevin Smith loved George Carlin, and you could hear him just you know talk about how much he loves George Carlin. Even after he passes away, he you know is just like a huge George Carlin fan. Mm-hmm. So George Carlin, you know, if there's any movie and that Kevin Smith is making, and George Carlin was still alive, George Carlin's in that movie. Oh yeah, and and Kevin Smith knew how to use George Carlin basically perfectly. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, he's he's amazing in both his movies. I wouldn't be shocked. Oh no, I would because Kevin Smith seems to get not a lot of uh, you know love from like critics. But if George Carlin had won like a Best Supporting Actor, yeah, I can see that he's great in both mm-hmm. Dogma and. And uh, Jay and Sam Bob Strike Back. Yep. So let's see. George Carlin uh, gives him the rules of the roads, and according to him, a shot in the mouth is worth a uh, drive down the road. <laughs> yeah. So they uh, get do a semi with them, and they uh, let's see. They they were they, uh, they they are having trouble finding a ride. They run afoul of uh, Sean William Scott mm-hmm. and a bunch of uh, attractive women. Um, let's see. They're played by. Shannon Elizabeth, mm-hmm. Eliza Dushku, yep, uh, Jennifer Schwalbar Smith, yeah, Schwalbach. That's uh, Schwalbach. That's, that's Kevin, Kevin Smith's, Smith's wife. wife. Yep. And there's isn't there one more? Yeah, the uh, blonde. I believe it's uh, Allie Larder. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. That's that's correct. So they're in the back of the van, and then uh, Sean William Scott, who. If you if if you're into uh, I know you're watching Always Sunny I I'd advise you skip around personally okay because there's an there's an episode of Always Sunny called Mac Day and Sean Liam Scott's in it okay. oh my god that's a it's it's amazing like he plays Country Mac uh, Mac's cousin from the country and he's hysterical <laughs> in it that sounds funny as hell but yeah Sean William Scott plays a uh, kind of like a hippie type guy who plays an acoustic guitar and uh, you know revels the uh, group of ladies with his brilliant songs about the environment mm-hmm. and so of course you didn't realize that uh they're in a group of uh of environmentalists who are you know heading to uh, go ahead and disrupt a laboratory yeah environmental terrorists yeah and of course i'm out of order here so before that there's a hilarious joke where they're at the uh, convenience store and uh jay's watching like channel shannon elizabeth and eliza dushku mm-hmm and like he's like you know Jay, um, who as we discovered in uh, Dogma, uh, jacks off more than any man alive. Yep. But he's thinking about guys the whole time. <laughs> right. But uh, so he sees them approach, and he uh, he uh, Silent Bob, you know, definitely grabs a uh, large sized uh, fountain drink cup and puts it over Jay's uh, crotch area, and Jay uh, uh, a line that just fucking killed the theater. Jay goes, "I filled the cup." Yeah. So somehow, so some of these beautiful women and uh, Sean William Scott as well take them in their uh, van and they're driving towards a laboratory, which their plan is to uh, go ahead and uh, free all the animals. Mm-hmm. So Jay, not being a big fan of competition, uh, devises a plan to uh, cleverly trick Sean William Scott into saying that he would love to fuck a goat. Yeah, <laughs> he so seems he, he seems all too eager to agree to it. By the way. Yeah. He's very, very into it. <laughs> so they basically just I throw him out of the car. Animals. And then I could be wrong in the sequence of this because it's been a while. I mean, it's a great. I love the movie because it's a it's a fucking like love note from Kevin Smith to everyone who's obsessed with him, which mm-hmm. you and I have certainly you know qualify for. Um, do they go to the laboratory first, or do they have that sequence, the Scooby Doo sequence? 
I think uh, I think they I think the I think they do go to the laboratory first. I think the Scooby Doo thing is after that. Yeah, you might be right. So they go to the laboratory, and the whole thrust of their uh, visit to the laboratory is that they're going to free these animals. And who do they free? A chimpanzee. Yep, named Suzanne. And Suzanne is a fucking throwaway joke. At the very end of Mallrats, they say Suzanne. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was entirely based on this uh, song they had from the band Weezer called Suzanne. Yep. Which plays right at that moment on the Yep. So this little tiny joke that almost no one would get is, oh, wait, look, we have a chimpanzee named Suzanne. Yep. But while they're freeing Suzanne, the uh, the women who claim to be environmentalists are actually uh, robbing a, uh, what is it, a jewelry store? Yeah, I think it's like a diamond, uh, it, like... Importer or exporter? Yeah, yeah, something like that. They, yeah. They, they, the, uh, the, like, the animal thing is like a cover um, to, uh, like, a diversion, basically. Oh yeah, the whole time they basically they had Sean William Scott as their rube, but he uh, he was cast out of the van because he wants to fuck goats. Right. So it said James and Bob are the perfect you know uh, men to set up. Yeah. So and, and they start getting chased by Will Ferrell's character, who plays um, Marshall Will and Holly, which is a yeah, what, uh, a play on another, Land of the Lost. Just, yeah. Yeah. Because the, the the three characters in Land of the Lost are, are uh, the Marshall, Will, and Holly. Yeah. So so they basically like uh, trick Jan, Silent Bob, and Jay especially into making a uh, promotional video sounding like they're you know a, a terrorist group that specializes in environmental things, which of course is hilarious because their group is called the oh shit what is it? It's I know the I think it's the Coalition for the Liberation. Of interred um, something, something with yeah, a T. <laughs> so Jay, so they're telling, they're asking Jay. They go, "Hey, what do you want to say?" I am the Click Commander, <laughs> and they have John Stewart. I don't think he, I don't think he was on the Daily Show at the time, was he? I think he was. I think he had kind of just started on the Daily Show at the time. Yeah, so he plays a reporter who's who's broadcasting this video about Jay going on and on about how he loves the clit and he's in he's in charge of it, but mm-hmm. he doesn't realize that he's actually saying he's like the head of a terrorist organization that wants to liberate animals. Right. And that's another great cutaway joke because the cutaway to Ben Affleck who's playing Holden at that time. Mm-hmm. And at that point he goes, Man, it's times like this that I really miss dating a lesbian. This is a funny joke, but it doesn't make a lot of sense because, I mean, he didn't really date her, you know, in a context where he was, you know, with, you know, other women and her or anything like that. Right. Maybe he broke up pretty quick. So, yeah, so they basically divert all the attention to Jay and Silent Bob, and then the women, you know, kind of make, you know, they make their own separate way away from the, the Jay and Silent Bob. But Shan Elizabeth and uh, Jay kind of develop, like, a uh, attraction at this point. Mm-hmm. Her character's name? I have no idea. Ooh. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, let me think if I can remember it. Um, Jesse? Just something with a J. So I remember it was on that soundtrack you and I listened to constantly. Mm-hmm. But while you're thinking about that, Justice. I remember that. Justice. Justice. Yep, yeah, that's right. Justice. That's why, that's why she wears glasses, because Justice is blind. <laughs> yeah. So after that, I think that's when they have their encounter with. I don't know if these people are like famous actors or not, but it was like a, obviously a reference to uh, Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. 
there's like four like you know young like late teen early 20s they're in a van and they're like super fucking high as shit there's like smoke pouring out of the van which yeah. is always implied in scooby-doo but never overtly stated right and again another joke inside joke uh to uh, scooby-doo was that velma was really like hot to you know spend some alone time with daphne mm-hmm so after that, they go to do they go to like a, some weird like a uh, cafe that's almost like a um, like a boxcar type cafe. Yeah. And Will Ferrell, as you mentioned before, he plays Marshall Will in Holly, mm-hmm. and this is probably one of his first movie roles. I don't what do you know what year uh, Jay and Saw Bob uh, Strike Back came out? You said two thousand two thousand one. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, he was fresh, not freshly. He was on SNL for a few years though, but I don't think he was in all that of stuff before this movie. Um, I don't think so. Night at the Roxbury, maybe? I know he was in, yeah, Night at the Roxbury was like 98. I know he was in Austin Powers in like a very small yeah, yeah. role. Yeah, very. he was very funny, but yeah, very brief role. Then he was in uh, that movie Superstar. I think that was like 99. But again, you know, he had kind of a small role in that where he was... Um, the he, jock that Mary Catherine Gallagher wanted to get with. Yeah, and uh, and that wasn't a, a super popular movie or anything. I believe Zoolander came out the same year as Jan Silent Bob Strike Back. I'm not sure which one came out first, but obviously, yeah, I'm not sure. Obviously, coming out in the same year, though, these would have been the like two of the definitely um, like the the bigger roles in, in bigger movies that he had for sure. Yeah, he was he was pretty present in uh, Jan Silent Bob Strike Back. So they 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 kind of he kind of confronts them at this weird like diner type thing and they escape of course and then after that I'm trying to think where they go they 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 go to Hollywood correct yeah do you remember what I don't remember is it for Suzanne's sake or are they trying to um, no they wanna, oh no that's why yeah, they want to stop the movie they want to interrupt yeah 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 so they oh th- there's another very sly reference when when the the van they get in. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it is though. It's like an it's like an animal type van. Do you remember what the it's like an acronym or there's like an inside joke there? I cannot remember what it is right now. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head either about the van. Yeah, so they get in it with Suzanne, who's been following them the whole time. Um, yep. and then they make their way to Hollywood. Yeah, and then uh, Mark, do you want to take it over from here? Yeah. So basically, they um they they go around the the movie lot and they. They're looking for the Blunt Man and Chronic, um, you know, soundstage where they're filming. And, you know, at first they run into, um, they get into it like a chase with uh, Diedrich Bader plays a security guard that, that sees him and is trying to uh, stop him. And uh, they uh, they wander into a, a fictional production of Scream 4. And uh, Wes Craven's there. And I think... Uh, I believe Courtney Cox's, you know, cameos there too, uh, and then they um, they uh, run into um, the uh, the one we mentioned earlier, the Goodwill Hunting too. Uh, hunting season, which is hilarious because you've got uh, you know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are there. And they're playing themselves, you know, playing these characters, and they get uh, Gus Van Zant there as well, um, who's who's sitting in the director's chair. This is one of the best parts, and he's just counting stacks of money, just 
counting bills and uh like ben affleck looks over and he's like so you know are we are we good to go action gus you know and everything he's like i told you ben i'm busy and he's just like counting this money (laughs) (laughs) so they they're like okay whatever let's go you know and stuff and they you know they turn goodwill hunting too into this like action movie and (laughs) everything which is hilarious um which which another callback to earlier the blonde guy i don't know his name mm mm-hmm the one who's like, oh, you did a good job. You did good, Will Hunting. Yeah. Too. He's also in Oz. Oh yeah, that's right. And he that's the original actor from Good Will Hunting as well. Yeah, I heard I've never seen Good Will Hunting, but yeah, I've heard that, and that's kind of like a funny like joke. But uh yeah, that is true. A lot of good people were in Oz. But they uh they eventually they end up um finding uh Jason Biggs and James Vanderbeek. Yeah, I forgot. At, who are going to play uh, Blunt Man and Chronic. And, you know, they, they reference that uh, Jason Biggs is the pie fucker from uh, American Pie because this was only a couple years after American Pie had come out and it was, you know, hugely popular and everything. And um, so uh, the director is played by... Um, so they they, they kind of they uh, incapacitate them and... Um, then uh, they take their place as Blunt Man and Chronic. And uh, the director of the film, I think his name is Chaka Luther King or something like that, was played, something, yeah. played by Chris Rock. Um, and Mark Hamill, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker himself, cameos as Cockknocker, the uh, the villain of Blunt Man and Chronic, who's got this... What do they, what do they call him that? He's got a, like a giant like steel fist or whatever and he uses it to punch people in the cock and there's a i mean again there's another reference to obviously mark hamill's a star wars reference mm-hmm. it, uh, and it's it's actually a batman reference too because he was amazing and we've mentioned this before batman the animated series which is another uh kevin smith you know obsession and Chris Rock was, of course, uh, the he played Rufus in uh, Dogma, mm-hmm. so he kind of like kind of sprinkles in these actors from his previous movies. Yep. Um. So uh, they. Well, and I think I think a, is it Banky or Brody's on set when he goes there? I think it's Banky. Is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, Banky. Yeah. Earlier in the movie, they go to Brody's comic book store. Uh, at the end of uh, at the end of Ch- or at the end of uh, Mallrats. Mallrats. They do this whole montage thing, and they show that that Brody's taken over uh, hosting duties on the Tonight Show, and uh, so when they go better than Jimmy Fallon, yeah, no kidding. So when they go to his comic book uh, store, um, if you notice on the very back wall, there's a Variety uh, uh, newspaper, this the Hollywood newspaper for those of you that, that don't know with all the Hollywood news, but on the very back wall, you can see the picture of him from Mallrats, you know, dressed up as the host of the Tonight Show, and underneath it, it says Brody Bolts. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> so, so it's like, so it's like they, they fixed that continuity problem of, yeah, he was the host of the Tonight Show in this universe, but he uh, left to open his own comic book store. I think they actually mentioned at, that at the end of Mallrats, that he briefly hosted the Tonight Show, but then, like, went to open a comic shop. Yeah, so um, <laughs> he just became he was like at a, a local game show. They're like, okay, you're on the Today Show now. Yeah, he's like, fuck this. But uh, yeah, so they they because they go to him to uh, 
to try to figure out what they should do, uh, you know, and he's the one that um, says, you know, well, you can just stop it because it's based on your, you know, likeness rights. So, uh, you know, or, and he's like, you know, you can get a bunch of money for this. So anyway, um, so yeah, Banky's the one that's on um, the set. And, uh, you know, the cops show up at the, uh, at the, um, the set and everything. Marshall, uh, Marshall Willenholly's there about the, uh, about Suzanne and, you know, actual like police are there, uh, for the jewelry stuff and everything. And they all kind of like converge at once. And, you know, there's a big like firefight and everything. And they're all kind of hiding out and, you know, they're talking to Banky, uh, about this and everything. And, um, and Banky's like, you know, hey, you know, I'll give you uh, half of, um, you know, the royalty check that I got from this, you know. And so they just, they just kind of, and at that point, they're just kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, we didn't want our reputations <laughs> this, this, destroyed, but for money, I guess we'll do it. I can't remember who it was, but doesn't Will and Holly like just shoot someone right in the head? Was uh, it movie? I think, uh, sh- I think he shoots, um, I think it's. Yeah, it might be Willem. I think it's in the shoulder, though. Like, I don't think he actually kills him. I think, okay. I think he just I like, shoots it him. It was either movie or like a very sly reference to the movie Death to Smoochie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think, you're, was I think you're right. Terrible. I think it was movie. I think it was whoever was playing movie. I think you're right. The golden cow. <laughs> but then Justice shows up. She's been feeling guilty and all this stuff, and she ends up turning herself in. Um for uh you know the crime and everything and so jay and silent bob are off the hook um they uh they've got their their royalty check uh and everything and they uh they go to they track down everyone that said stuff that was bad about them on the internet (laughs) this is how the movie ends and it's all like 14 year old kids and stuff like that yeah that's the best part they mercilessly beat the shit out and they use all their like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars just to travel across country beating the shit out of children. Yeah, who said bad things about them on the internet. And that is, uh, I mean, that's, it's a, definitely, it's a densely packed movie. It is hilarious. And like I said, if you, if you take the time or if you're someone like Mike and I that have, that has already done this to listen to all the commentary tracks and, and stuff like that. It is. It's one of the most immersive comedy experiences that I've ever uh, been a part of, and it was. I, I would, as far as this is like, like I said, like we said, this is probably not objectively his best movie or anything like that, as far as filmmaking goes. But I think this is kind of like his tour de force. This is like his his thesis statement of all yeah, his, of all his, his movies. His love, his love letter to everybody who's, you know, put up not put up with, but who's followed him throughout the years. Yeah, I think that's And I could be point. wrong, but doesn't doesn't this even end with Alanis Morissette closing the book on View Askew? Oh yeah, I think it does. Which of course Alanis Morissette played God and uh Dogma, which I, I don't think I could ever talk about Dogma enough. That's a fucking amazing movie. Yeah. And yeah, so I think at this point the the whole idea was to uh, like move on to other movies, which he kind of did and did not do with varying degrees of success. Yeah, for sure, you're absolutely right. This like he he hadn't intended this. I know I know he said this before. He intended this to be his last uh, Jay and Silent Bob movie, his last like View a Universe movie. He wanted to do other movies, but he didn't want to be beholden to 
the Jay and Silent Bob and like the shared universe thing, which is weird because um, I mean, it's not weird. It's it's normal to want to, you know, move on like that artistically. But it's funny to think that basically Kevin Smith did a shared universe kind of thing before, um, you know, Marvel did before any of the other the other things like he was the first one that had this shared movie universe. You know, it's funny, in speaking of Marvel, I was uh, reading, because when Stanley passed away, I, I naturally looked to uh, Kevin Smith mm-hmm. on Twitter, because, you know, obviously he was a huge fan of Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Stan Lee supposedly had some issues. I can't speak to it because I'm not, you know, personally involved with, like, his caretakers. And Kevin Smith, you know, being a good guy in general, just offered to let Stanley live with them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and as, I don't know if he mentioned this or not before, but Stan Lee was a huge part of Mallrats. Yep. Like he's basically the crux of the movie. Like uh, T.S. the whole time is like you know not sure what to do, and then Stan Lee gives him this weird little speech. That's a that, that we later find out is a reference to a, a storyline with the Vulture from you know Spider Man. Yep. So you know he's a huge Stan Lee fan. Obviously, I mean he likes you know I think Batman's his favorite, but Kevin Smith being a comic book fan, you know, is a huge fan of Stan Lee. Yeah. Uh, definitely and um you know he's stanley's been was definitely a huge part of mall rats i mean a short scene but like you said a very important scene in mall rats um and uh and then um he, you know he's been in uh, a few other um kevin smith movies as well in uh in little um you know cameo type uh type roles but uh yeah that's uh i like you said, I don't know a ton about the uh, stuff with his caretaker and, and everything, but I have heard the same thing. You know, I've heard the same stories you have about uh, about that stuff. Sure. Some uh, you know unfortunate stuff there, but yeah, I mean, you know right. what a uh, you know what a uh, nice guy Kevin Smith for uh, you know offering his oh, yeah, home and sure. stuff. You know. Yeah, so like I was saying, I was looking at Kevin Smith, you know, when Stanley passed away, and he didn't comment at this time because it was, you know, California time, and he's probably in the middle of something. But I saw what was interesting was someone asked him about the Marvel Universe, and they said, are you ever going to do a comic book, comic book movie? Mm-hmm. I know he was in talks of, like, with doing, like, Superman at one point, yep. or, like, you know, at least writing it. There's a whole movie called... There's a whole movie called Comic Book Movie, which he talks about that in. But interestingly enough, he says he did do a comic book movie. Do you know what comic book movie he did do? Dogma. Dogma, yep. Yep. Dogma in Kevin Smith's mind. And in mine, too, is a comic book movie. That's a perfect comic book, if you think about it. Yeah, I agree. Like, I I read the same tweet. That's why I I cheated. That's why I knew what you were talking about. (laughs) But uh, I read read that same tweet where he talked about how... uh, how Dogma was his, like, the Avengers before they did the Avengers. And, you know, I was like, fuck, I wish we would have read this before we talked about Dogma. Because yeah, he's, he's not I, wrong. It's no. a great, it would be a great comic book. Absolutely. It, may, that, it makes perfect sense. And the way, um, you know, each of the people has kind of, uh, you know, their own sort of ability. Uh, you know, there's the Muse, there's the Apostle, there's the Prophets, there's the Scion, there's... Uh, the Metaron. Yeah, and and um, and the you know the angels Bartleby and uh, and Loki, and everything um, you know, and even Loki is uh, uh, a uh, a reference to an artist. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, you know, they are all they're all you know different kinds of people with different you know abilities, different backgrounds, and stuff like that. And I, it makes perfect sense as uh, you know structure. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, even I mean, even though I think they made a comic out of it, I could be wrong. Ah, oh, they might and a have. lot of his works he's he has made. But yeah, that's I mean, it's a weird theme because you generally comics aren't like based on a religious type, you know, tale and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's a fucking perfect comic book movie. Yeah, there's references to other you know comic book slash movies. It's it's just it's it's perfectly a comic comic book movie. Oh yeah, well you, you know Constantine's a comic too. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it, it's Hel- I, I I'm a huge uh, Keanu Reeves fan, but it's Hellblazer by the great Alan Moore who did the watch. Yeah. Yeah, and that's got a lot of religious uh, tones to it, too, obviously. I've heard it's not like the comic at all. I haven't really read the comic, but I know a little bit about the character. There's a lot of differences, for sure. But yeah, he's like... Uh, Con- John Constantine's basically... He's like on Earth to atone for all the the terrible things that he did when he was alive. That's kind of the, the plot of yeah. it. In the comics, and oddly enough, we talked about this before, but I think John uh, Constantine made... What did you say? You cut out there for a second. Oh, uh, John Constantine first made an appearance in a Swamp Thing comic. Oh, really? Now that I did not know. Yeah, which also was done by the great Alan Moore. Yeah, Alan Moore. Um, but like basically, he was almost an anti-hero. Like John Constantine in the Hellblazer comics was like, you know, he would like, you know, save you if he could, but he was more interested in his own arcane mastery slash power. Mm-hmm. And the really fucking weird part about that is <laughs> Alan Moore, who I love the guy, but he's very odd. Oh yeah, for he sure. claimed that he was at a re- he claimed that he was at a restaurant in London and he ran into the character John Constantine. He claimed <laughs> he saw his own character appear. Oh my god. And he saw him in a restaurant, and, we, and he went like up the character that he created, who existed, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. He said he went upstairs, and when he went to follow him, he wasn't there anymore. Uh, that's that is funny. That does not surprise me at all, though. I heard a story about uh, about him that uh, Alan Moore. That uh, now, like I said, this is a story. I, I I have no, you know. I have no evidence that this actually happened, but this is what I heard from somebody who went to Comic-Con. And like we've established, I don't go to Comic-Con because I'm not a nerd. But um, <laughs> I've got uh, at least two separate comic conventions. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. You don't. You don't. <laughs> I have a good story about that, too. <laughs> <clears throat> but, uh, but anyway, I, I heard from somebody, not Mike, that went there that actually met um, Alan Moore. And uh, they they sort of recognized him, but not really. And they were like, "Oh, you you've written a bunch of uh, like comic books, right?" And he looked at them deadpanned and said, "I've never re- I've never written a comic book in my life," <laughs> and just walked away. But yeah, um, there's there's two comic conventions, and uh, we obviously live in Metro Detroit. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I. I honestly will not get the names right. One's the Michigan Comic Con. I think that's one in Livonia. Okay. I could be wrong. David Gibbons, the uh, the guy who did all the art for the Watchmen, was there a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one that I think it was their first year, and I was kind of shocked because they had a lot of like really big name, like you know, people for like sci-fi slash comic slash fantasies. Mm-hmm. And uh, my family, my two kids and wife and I are huge fans, huge fans of Futurama. Oh, yeah. And lo and behold, who was there? Billy West. Oh, really? Now, see, I might have gone to see Billy West. Yeah, we, we specifically would just see Billy West. We had a park, and we walked like a mile and a half down the 
beautiful Detroit uh, River, you know, walk, which mm-hmm. is amazing. You know, it was really nice that time of year. There was like 5,000 gnats, I think, attacking everybody. But other than <laughs> that, it was, you know, amazing. It really is beautiful down there. Yeah, so we went down, we went to there, and it was like almost closing time. And we were kind of, it was, we thought we'd, you know, kind of like maybe everyone would be gone because it was closing time. Mm-hmm. But no, we paid the fee. We went in, and much to our delight, the person we went to go see, Billy West, is still there. It was like an hour until closing, and he was still there. Mm-hmm. So there's one person in line ahead of us. He's jibber jabbering. You know, Billy West is a very nice, you know, person to talk to. He'll go on and on. He'll he, the guy even asked him to say shut up and take my money. He said that you know lines from Futurama. So so me, my wife, and our daughter, who's ten years old at the time, go in for a picture with Billy West. You know, we he puts his arm around us. You know, he's not a giant guy, but you know, we knew that going in. Hmm. Um, and then he tells us a nice little tale. He goes, "Oh yeah, I grew up here in Detroit." He goes, "Oh man, it was really fucked up." <laughs> he goes, "My uh, my father, he had a uh, loaded thirty eight uh, revolver in his top drawer. I often dreamed about taking it out of the top drawer and shooting him in the head because it was so abusive to me and my mother." Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, oh okay, thank you. Thanks for <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, and I'm like, I mean, that's fine for me and my wife, but my 10-year-old, I don't think he needs to know that about Philip C. Fry. Well, so, so Billy West just uses fans as his own personal therapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yes, he does. That is hilarious. He was, he was a nice guy. You know, we enjoyed, you know, seeing him, but it was a little more than we had bargained for. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, Wow. Well, that is worth it. If that's what goes on at Comic-Con, I guess I'll start going. That was worth it. Oh. But, uh, yeah, so, speaking of worth it, I don't know if this next movie is worth it. No, I'm just joking. But (laughs) uh, the next movie, uh, you know, and we'll try to get through, we'll try to get through some of these a little quick. Um, Yeah, a lot of them, no offense, deserve to be gone through pretty Yeah. But uh, the next one up is uh, 2004's Jersey Girl. Uh, this was like Ben Affleck and, and Jennifer Lopez uh, were dating at the time. They were like a big Hollywood couple. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were they were really well-known. Paparazzi was taking pictures of them all over the place. And, they were canoodling. That's right. They were seen canoodling. But, but what a scoop <laughs> but uh so um it, the because of that this movie was sort of billed as like a Ben Affleck Jennifer Lopez movie even though Jennifer Lopez is not in the movie for more than I don't know like 3 minutes but um unfortunately for Kevin Smith and the box office of this film um the move, the Jennifer Aniston, uh, or I mean the uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Jennifer Lopez movie, Geely, came out just before this movie did. Yes, that was quite unfortunate. And it was an enormous bomb, <laughs> and it was a terrible movie. And like you know, I mean, it was it was. I know it was talked about at the time. Out, I, I don't think anyone's talked about it in years. But at the time, it was talked about as one of the worst films ever made. Yeah, it was. It, I've seen parts of it. It's not good at all. And uh, so that really hurt because the marketing 
was already in place before that movie bombed, that really hurt um, the film. And I, 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 you know, if that movie had come out a little bit before, I am positive that they would have shifted the marketing to uh, Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck because Liv Tyler is the the love interest that's in the movie more. But just to uh, real quick to summarize, basically uh, Ben Affleck's a media publicist and his wife um, is played by Jennifer Lopez. She dies of an aneurysm during childbirth at the very beginning of the movie. So like I said, she's really only on screen with him for, you know, a couple minutes. Um, Yeah, if that. Life is a series of down notes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But uh, so he basically he buries himself in his work, ignores his new daughter. Um, George Carlin plays a uh, a, a big role in this film, and um, he's uh, Ben Affleck's dad. And he uh, takes a, like a month off work and comes to help him uh, take care of this kid. And um, you know, after a month, uh, he says he's leaving. He's going back uh, to work. Because his son, you know, needs to step up and actually take care of this child who, you know, you can tell he's kind of feeling resentment for and everything because, you know, indirectly she's responsible for the death of his wife and and her mother and everything. Obviously, nothing she can really be blamed for, but that's, you know, he's going through the stages of grief and that's where he's putting his anger. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's under a lot of stress and everything. He's not sure how to take care of the baby. The baby won't stop crying. He ends up trashing Will Smith, uh, who is his client, uh, and, uh, the, the film Independence Day, because this, you know, this kind of, this is the flashback portion of the movie. This takes place, you know, the welcome to earth, (laughs) right? which I can't really blame him for trashing independence day. I know everybody loved independence day when it came out, but go, I did not, but go back and watch that movie. It does not hold up. That is a terrible, terrible movie. (laughs) A couple of weird things about independence day, since we're going on a tangent and by we, I mean, yeah, First of all, I don't think Will Will Smith actually says "Welcome to Earth." He says "Welcome to Earth." For some reason, there's like a meme of him saying "Earth." Yeah, but he does not say "Earth." He says "Earth." Yeah, yeah, he says it correctly. Another point that I think is really kind of odd is Harry Connick Jr. is is in this movie as well. He's like a co-pilot or like another pilot. Mm-hmm. He's not good in this movie, but have you ever seen the movie Copycat? Yeah. He's really good in Copycat. He's he's actually a pretty good actor. He's not good in this movie, but he's a good actor. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I think he could have had a good like career as an actor. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. Independence Day kind of fucked that up. Yeah, it's a ugh. It's just and the 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 part where um where the alien wraps its tentacle around uh, Bill uh, Pullman's like throat and then like communicates telepathically with him and stuff. And then Bill Pullman gets released and he's just like, I saw their plan. I know what they're going <laughs> to, I know what they're going to do. And he just like, he just launches into the expo- exposition of why they're there and stuff. It's the laziest writing. It's so yes, terrible. Yes. That and the whole Jeff Goldblum, like Apple computer thing is really fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another, another thing is in, there's going to be some controversy over this amongst our, you know, huge fans in the blogosphere. Right. But Randy Quaid is fucking funny as shit in this. Oh, yeah, he is. I mean, mind you, this is way before the Hollywood star whackers got a hold of him. Right. That is I, a, that's a story. Real quick, not to interrupt you, but that is a story that we don't have time for now. But that's a story that I, on one of our podcasts, we need to go through 
the story of the descent of Randy Quaid and the, and the Hollywood Star Whackers because that is we should do that next time. Yeah, and there's sure. another sub story to that. My friend Matt came up with the, came up with a theory called the Hollywood Hangman. Okay, <laughs> it's fucking funny as shit. Does it involve uh, does it involve Carradine and stuff like that? Dude, there's a lot of people who have hung themselves who are involved in uh, you know celebrity type things, right? Uh, Carradine, David, or Kate Spade, she hung herself. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Chris Cornell hung himself mm-hmm. allegedly. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, this is a really ridiculous theory that has some uh, merit to it. All right. Well, we'll, we will definitely get in. We'll do, we'll do, uh, maybe next when we're done with the Kevin Smith movies, we'll do like a, uh, like a Hollywood conspiracy theory uh, one and we can feature a few of them. That'd be good. There's a lot. Yeah. Top dog. (laughs) But I'm sorry. You were talking about Jersey Girl. Um, I've seen this movie and I, I did not. Uh, dislike it. It's not a movie that's usually up my alley. I'm a more of an action movie fan. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's well it's it's actually very well directed. Which, as we've mentioned before, Kevin Smith, in my opinion and yours, I think as well, isn't the best director. But this is well directed. I thought. I think this is his best directed film, and um, you know, it's one of those where it's like uh, it's not, you know, it's not an award winning film. It's not you know, a hilarious film, but it's, it's very charming. Um, you know, it's a love story between a dad and a daughter, you know, first before it's a love story between, uh, between, you know, the, the, the man and the woman. Um, but it's, uh, it's a very charming movie. It's a sweet movie. It's, it, it, it certainly didn't deserve to uh, critically fail the way it did. It definitely didn't deserve any of the hate it got. Like I said, it's probably his best yeah, it, directed movie. It's it's a very, it's a good movie. See, I would say it's his second best directed movie. We, and then we'll talk about the, his best directed movie later. Okay. But I have a question for you, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. If you were Steven Tyler and you could get any woman in the world, who would you... Uh, if I was Steven Tyler and I could get any woman in the world, who would it be? Uh, I say Liv Tyler. <laughs> I can't remember. Is that from the Clerks animated series? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a weird fucking part. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Oh, I love Clerks animated series so much. Yeah, I, I'm trying to figure... We'll probably talk about that last, I guess. Even though, chronologically, it's not last. But since it's sort of separated from the movies, I do want to talk about it. That'll probably, like, next week when we do this, that'll probably be the last one we do. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, what's after Jersey Girl? Uh, so, after Jersey Girl is Clerks 2, 2006. Gotcha. Um, Clerks 2 is, you know, it's a continuation of Clerks. They, uh, they got fired from the convenience store. We see at the beginning of the movie why they got fired from the, uh, the convenience store. Um, and, uh, basically Jay and Bob get them fired. (laughs) And, uh, um, so they go to work at Moopies. And, uh, Dante is, uh, single still, but he's in love with, uh, Rosario Dawson's, or no, he's not single, but he's he's in love with Rosario Dawson. Yeah, he, he's en- he's engaged again. Yeah, yeah, he's engaged again and in love with another woman again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's in some ways it's 
it's a similar story to uh, to Clerks. It's not. It's certainly not a reboot at all. It's definitely a continuation no. of their uh, yeah. their story. But uh, really, the only the only kind of significant thing from Clerks Two that comes out of it is the fact that uh, they end up buying at the end of the movie. Spoilers for this movie. At the end of the <laughs> film, they end up buying uh, the video store and the um, the uh, convenience store uh, and. They do it because uh, Jay and Bob give them the money that they got from the royalties from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, Wonder how that uh, video store business is doing right now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Randall is in there all by himself. But he probably loves it. <laughs> yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, so they end up uh, they end up doing that, and uh, you know, buying them out and kind of being their own bosses and stuff like that. Clerks too is one of those things where it's it's a the ending is a satisfying conclusion to the characters, but the film itself is sort of a mess. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I really appreciate and enjoy the characters, Dante mm-hmm. and uh, Randall. I mean, they're both great actors. They're hilarious. There's all, there's some good jokes in this movie. Yep. Um, again, I think I mentioned this while we were watching Clerks, and I was kind of shocked to see it, that uh, Dante is on his whole, uh, you know, bit of a painting women's toenails mm-hmm. yeah but i mean i don't i mean i'll watch rosario rosario dawson almost anything i mean i mm-hmm. i i am a big fan if you know oh, but yeah. i mean I, she's good in this i mean dante's good in this uh randall's good in this but the movie it's i don't it's almost unnecessary yeah i agree and and you know like i said i mean if you want to wrap up the um the storyline of the the clerks like i said it's a decent wrap up of their storyline it gives you like kind of a satisfying you know happy ending for them of owning you know their own business and all that stuff and uh and everything but yeah it's there are you know there's uh there's a pretty uh humorous exchange about a debate between the lord of the rings and uh, Star Wars, those two movie franchises, and which one's better, and stuff like that. And then, yeah, that's full like comic slash geek slash mode that Kevin Smith really excels at. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, a nice highlight. But I mean, I think the performances are good. The actors are good. The guy who plays the uh, I don't know is it the other employee, the younger guy with a long. Oh yeah, the young kid. Um... I think he's a good actor, but like the the dialogue is really not that great in this movie. I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's a good movie in general. Yeah, it's a rare, um, you know, especially in the view- a misfire for Kevin yeah, Smith. Yeah, in the viewers universe, uh, you know, it's not it's not the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, obviously. But yeah, it's uh, it's certainly just kind of not up to standard. It's uh, I don't I don't find it super funny in. Uh, in any way, really. Um, yeah, I can't imagine Kevin Smith at the beginning of uh, pre-production. He's like, hey, uh, hey, Brian, hey, uh, Jeff, you want to make some more money? They're like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that's how Kirk Stewart. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm glad they got jobs. They definitely, they definitely, yeah, I mean, they definitely deserve it. Yeah, they for sure deserve it. They're both great actors. They're iconic, you know, in their performances and um, obviously clerks and um uh, we we can't uh, you know ignore um, Brian O'Haran's performances and Mallrats. What was he? Mm-hmm. Gil Hicks. Gil Hicks. Yeah. Gil and he's 
and he's also in you know the best Kevin Smith movie, which everyone would agree on, uh, Dogma. <laughs> yeah. As what's his name in that one? Grant Hicks. Yeah, so he's a Hicks for life. Yep, that's right. Yeah, he's the reporter Grant Hicks in there, and he, he's in. Uh, I think he's in Chasing Amy too, but I I just don't remember where. And James and Bob, both of them are at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is the first performance slash appearance of Harley Quinn Smith. Yeah, that's right. That's right, as the baby, as baby Bob. Yeah. But uh yeah, we'll get to we'll get to Harley Quinn uh Smith later. And Kevin, if you're uh if you're listening, we're gonna talk about Yoga Hosers next week. And uh don't worry, you don't have to tune out. I don't know what Mike's gonna say about it. Please but... forgive us for Yoga Hosers in <laughs> but, our review. I don't know what Mike's gonna say about uh, about it, but I will tell you that one of the very, very few things that I will give praise for about Yoga Hosers is your daughter and uh, and her chemistry with um, uh, Lily uh, Depp. Um, that's like pretty much the only good thing about the movie. So you don't have to... On t- a scale from shit to fucking shit, it's, <laughs> oh my God, that's fucking shit. <laughs> but yeah, you can listen, uh, you know, maybe with gritted teeth, but you can listen because... Uh, I'm certainly not going to trash your daughter because uh, she is the highlight of the movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the performances and the yoga hoses are good, but oh my god, that's a terrible movie. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, I think I mean you know, Clerks too. I think I think we've kind of said everything. It's a movie. I need to say about it. Yep, that's a, that's the best I can say. It's a movie. Um, the last. What's after that? Yeah, the last one that we'll talk about today, and then we'll have. Uh, four to talk about next week but probably at least two of them will be real quick um the uh last one that we have to talk about today is zach and miri make a porno 2008 another um departure like jersey girl from the uh viewers universe so this is the uh the seth rogan and elizabeth banks movie and um for those of you who haven't seen it and judging by the box office results, there's a lot of you. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's basically um, they live in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, interestingly, one of the few that kind of don't take don't have New Jersey as a uh, a primary uh, thing. But they uh, they live in Pennsylvania. They're big Pittsburgh Penguins fans, like you said, Mike, last week. Uh, lots of hockey references. Um, and you know, the the penguins are a big one in this one. Um, but anyway, so, uh, they, uh, I think I'm trying to remember they, um, they, uh, they need money, right? Yeah. They make a porno. (laughs) I know. They're, they're electric pillows, sour. They're, Zach and Mary are lifelong friends, obviously played by Elizabeth Banks and, uh, Seth. Mm-hmm. And their bills are, they basically both work in like a Starbucks kind of rip off like minimum wage, like coffee shop type thing. Yep. And so they're like completely poor and they have no money and, you know, they're about to have their, you know, rent check due and their electricity cut off and everything. Cut. I don't remember how they come to this realization, but they're like, oh, hey, let's make a porno movie in the coffee shop and that'll I- pay all our. I think they she goes to a reunion, if I remember, or they both. Oh they yeah, both that's to right. Reunion. And yeah. I have to say, this is a fucking hilarious performance by um, shit. It's um, 
Is it? It's not Jason. It's not Jason Schwartzman, or uh, is it? Oh, um, the uh, the gay guy. Yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? It's uh, is it one of the guys who played Super Brandon Roth? Brandon Roth. Yeah. I know. Rouse. Brandon Routh, yeah, that's right. And Justin Long, that's who it is. Yeah, Justin Long and, and Brandon Routh, yeah. Yeah, Super Superman's Brandon Routh, that's right. Yeah, um, Mary, I think it's Mary, wants to fuck uh, Brandon Routh, but it turns out, hey, he's in a dudes, and him, he's with uh, Justin Long, and Justin Long is fucking funny as shit in this role. Yeah, for sure. So she's like, oh, okay, our whole, you know, big build-up to the, fa- the baseball reunion doesn't make sense, because he's not into Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out that he's gay and a porn star. Big time. And uh, so, yeah, they um, they kind of they get expired or they get inspired um, because uh, uh, I think they see they see um, there's someone makes a viral video of uh, of her. I think right. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't remember in, what it is in granny panties. Yeah, granny. That's that's right. The video is granny panties. Right, and so they decide that they're gonna make uh, a Star Wars parody pornography movie, which again is like perfectly classic Kevin Smith. He mm-hmm. wants to escape the viewers universe, but there's still these like things he's obsessed with his whole life that he keeps coming back to, and of course, Star Wars is one of the big. Oh yeah, and well, you know, like you can't you can't keep yourself out of the creative process for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about this, this movie, but mm-hmm. I actually really like the movie. I've seen it edited and unedited, mm-hmm. and it's it's. I think it's funny. It's not the best movie I've ever seen in my whole life, but it's it's a movie I enjoy watching. When it's on, I'll watch it again. This is how I look at this movie. Um, there are so many uninspired, terrible. Melissa McCarthy comedy movies. <laughs> not to not to single her out, and, and I think I like I, I don't hate Melissa McCarthy or anything like that. But a lot of the movies she's in are bad. But think of a movie like that. There are so many just uninspired. I can write the plot of this movie. I can tell you what the next joke that's going to be come up is. There's so many of those around. There are not enough comedies. Yeah, when that like joke's this. selling a cab. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's not enough movies like this. There are not enough comedies like this. It's, you know, it's not tied to anything uh, like uh, his other movies. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't have a lot of inside jokes or anything like that. You you probably, you know, need a passing knowledge of Star Wars to get a couple of the jokes. But other than that, it's just a solid, broad comedy. It's, I think it's, uh, I mean, you know... It's a little more subversive because there's the porn elements to it and stuff like that. But, um, you know, if I was to compare it to Orgasmo, say, um, you know, a movie both of us have seen from the creators of uh, South Park. A movie we should talk about at some point, uh, too. I love Orgasmo. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you compare it to that, it's it's sort of comparable to that. It's not as funny as Orgasmo, and it's not as clever as Orgasmo is. But it is because it's more this one and this one's more mainstream than Orgasmo would be. But it's a funny, somewhat subversive mainstream comedy. I would compare yeah. it. I would compare it to like The Hangover 
or uh, a movie like that, I, I I think there are a lot of good jokes. Uh, yeah, in the movie, I think it's uh, I think it's a really solid uh, film, and I I definitely you know if we were doing a Siskel and Ebert thing, I would give it a a thumbs up or a you know three and a half stars or. Yeah, I'd give it like a thumb, like going like horizontal, yeah. and then like slightly up. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. I like I said, I watch it whenever it's on. Yep. Seth Rogen was probably at like one of the the height of like you know his like career, mm-hmm. or not that his career is over, but I mean he was really popular at the time. Yeah, as far as his, as far as like his comedic acting career goes, I know he does a lot with Preacher now and and some of the other like stuff that he's created and everything. But yeah, as far as his acting career, for sure, he's pretty. He's pretty close to the peak. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks is really good in it. Uh, Jason Muse is also in it. Mm-hmm, yes. He's good. I mean, he's not like, his usual over-the-top type of character. Is he a sound man? I don't remember. Yeah, I believe that's that, that, that it. And, and, and that is a good thing. Yeah, he, he's good in this. Yeah. He's, the, the, um, the role isn't, um, you know, Jay of, like, Jay and Silent Bob. And he plays it, you know, there's a different... Like, you can tell he's not just one note. Um, you know, he uh, it's a, a more subtle, a more subdued performance. And uh, I think he's an overlooked... Um, you know, kind of like gem of this movie. He's uh, his he's really is very solid. Good. Yeah, I, I agree. Very solid performance in this movie. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's not a bad movie. I'd rather watch this than any other like rom com type movie. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's well directed. It's not his best directorial work, which I would say is Red State of mm-hmm. all his movies ever. I think Red State is his best directory. Yeah, and I'm going to rewatch that before we talk about that next week because uh, last time I saw it was probably like a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. But Red Seed is a really good movie. But yeah, um, so you know, like uh, it's one of those that you know, if it's on Netflix or if it's on TV or whatever, uh, and it comes on and you haven't seen Zach and Mary make a porno, um, you know, I, I would absolutely recommend uh, watching it. I think it's a it's a solid funny movie. Yeah, there's some really like emotional scenes too, like when mm-hmm. Zach and Mary first like you know have intercourse. Yep. Like there's like some really great acting on both parts of Seth Rogen and uh, Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, and that's not an easy thing to like the um you know and I knew going into this that Elizabeth Banks was a pretty good actress, um you know but I didn't realize kind of like the range that Seth Rogen could go to either and like you said they both do an amazing job in some yeah, the, difficult there's situations. There's a real chemistry. Be- there's a real chemistry between the two of them. Absolutely. Yep. I, agree. I think. Tr- if I'm not mistaken, Tracy Lords is in this too. She is, yep. Yeah, she's she's good too. I mean, she was in. Uh, Ro- I don't know if you ever watched her on Roseanne. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen her on Roseanne. Yep. Yeah, she's funny in that. She's uh, in the movie in the show Profiler, which she's been oh, yeah. that. Too. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of her movies. Uh, obviously, not the early. <laughs> <laughs> But she's good in this too. I mean, everyone in this movie is good. It's right. not a bad movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a solid movie. Yep, for sure, definitely. And like I said earlier, Justin Long is really funny in that. Yeah, Justin Long is maybe the standout as far as the comedic side of this uh, of this movie is. He's hilarious in this movie. But yeah, so uh, that is uh, the show for today. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you're looking for us online, as uh, as always, you can find us uh, 
on Twitter at Massive Late Fee, on Facebook, Massive Late Fee. You can email the show, uh, Massive Late Fee at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our Patreon. Uh, I'll link all this below. I think it's uh, Patreon slash or dot massive late fee dot com. Um, and then uh, our audio commentaries on Bandcamp over, uh, you know, at uh, massive late fee dot Bandcamp dot com or whatever it is. But I'll uh, I'll link all that uh, below. And if you want to check out our audio commentaries, you want to check out uh, you want to support the show uh, from Patreon or, um, you know, the other thing, too, is tell tell a friend, tell a friend about uh, about the show that helps out, you know, as much as, as anything. Yeah, does. for sure. Yes, spread um, the word. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank uh, you know Jason for our uh, our theme. I want to thank uh, Miranda and uh, Leah for our uh, uh, for our patreons. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it for tonight. Uh, you got anything to say, Mike? Uh no. Just as usual, a shout out to my friends Phil, the tattoo artist, mm-hmm. um, Rob Tell for supporting uh, Savage Worlds from the beginning. That's yep. about it. Happy birthday to my wife. Yep. Happy birthday to, uh, do you want me to say her name or no? I don't think she cares. All right. Happy birthday, Alex. You uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> you oh, broke and, the uh, rules. Fuck Scandinavia. Yep. Uh, fuck Sweden. Fuck Denmark. Fuck Finland. You, uh, Randy Savage and uh, your brother, Leaping Lenny Poffer. <laughs> who uh, might be alive. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? And uh, Bjork in Iceland, we see you, we hate you. Fuck you. (laughs) All right, everybody, have a good night. Bye.